chapter number 5. James chapter number 5. We'll dive in there tonight. Look at some more verses here. Last week we got to talk about all the rich people and their problems. Tonight we don't have to dwell on that. Oh, and Russ, here's your money back from this morning. It's all crinkled up. And uh, we, put it in the to- we put it in the toilet and everything, but you get it back. So it's still worth $20. That was the whole point of it. I knew you'd still want it back no matter what I did to it today. And uh, I think I stuck it in my mouth. That's because I, I ripped it up and did all sorts of things to it for sake of sermon illustration this morning. Just be glad you got it back and I remember. That's good. Not that you, I would give it back, but remembering. That's, that's half the battle right there. And so some of you that don't have memory issues, I'm just kidding, I don't really have memory issues. Selective memory, selective memory. James chapter number five, and tonight's message works for all of us. It fits for all of us tonight. James five, and look down at verse number seven. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rains. Be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Drudge not against another, brethren, lest he be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven nor by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Um, I didn't get to ask anyone. Does anyone need a copy of the outline tonight? Everyone got one? Are we good? All right, let's have a word of prayer. We'll dive into this passage of Scripture. Father, we're so grateful for your love and grateful for who you are. Thank you for loving us and being our God. And I pray that you bless this passage tonight as we look at it. Help us as we dive into it and help us to see some things tonight that would help us in our lives and the importance of several things that we'll look at tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. How many of you find it difficult to wait for things? How many of you have a problem with waiting? I think we could all say that. You know, each year we spend around 13 hours on hold. And I think with COVID, it's been even longer with some things, hours upon hours sometimes. Then the average person spends six months of their life waiting in lines. Pretty crazy stat. And that's, that, that's I wonder if you have fast pass at Disneyland if it goes any quicker. But um, the average person spends six months of their life waiting in lines. It's, the internet says it, so it's got to be true. I don't doubt the internet. The internet's always right, right? And um, we are continuing our study on getting fit. And tonight the message is what to do when we're waiting. Last week we looked at how I steward my wealth reveals my spiritual health. Tonight and what we look at, we're going to learn an important lesson on what to do till the Lord comes. And when we look at that, how to respond rightly when we're treated wrong. That's a tough one for us. And that's what these verses are all about tonight. What to do while we're waiting. 
some observations as we dive in, as you just look at this passage. The first thing that you'll notice is, in verse number 7 here, it says, Be patient, therefore. You see it's talking about, and we're not to point number one yet, Joe. We haven't gotten there yet. He's jumping ahead of me. He did that. He was jumping the gun this morning. He's jumping the gun tonight. And I'm going to have to censor him back there, not to put the notes up there too quickly. And, uh, but there's some casual observations. And, Joe, you can put up whenever. I'm just giving you a hard time. And um, this passage is linked. It says right there in verse B, patient, therefore, it's linked to the previous six verses. So this section gives us a game plan when we're in a waiting room because of some kind of injustice done to us. Because you look at those first verses, we see injustice was done. And so as we move forward, we see this. And James sets the tone here in this passage. There's some words you see. You see brethren used often. He's in the kind of a, he's, as he's kind of, a, what's the word I want to use? He's kind of easing up a little bit. Sometimes James is this blunt, blunt, blunt. But he's being nice right here. Hey, brethren. And he uses the word brethren as he talks about these things. And we see that in verse number 7, verse 9, and verse number 10. Then we also see the word patient or patience used several times in these verses. The other thing that you'll note as you, if you were to break these down and you're studying these verses, the overriding focus of verse 7 through verse number 12 is on the second coming of Christ. Verse 7 there says, until the coming of the Lord. Verse number 8, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Verse number 9, behold, the judge standeth before the door. And that literally means he's right on the edge and it's just about to happen, the Lord's return. And that's why the Bible tells us in Romans 13, verse number 12, the night is far spent and the day it's at hand. The day of Christ's return, it is coming. And even so, come Lord Jesus, and we hope that it's sooner than later. But it is coming. But what are we supposed to do till he comes? That's what this talks about here. Now I've spent... Chapter 5 has been the most tough passage of James to get an outline together for. I mean, and I go online and I'll look at other people's outlines of the passage. And some of them are good, but I don't want to steal someone's outline. Although I couldn't just say, this is so-and-so's outline. That works because I'm sure they stole it from someone who stole it from someone else, who we all steal it from the Word of God, technically. And I went through commentaries that I have, tons of commentaries. And chapter 5 was difficult. And I found someone's outline, and I'm borrowing their outline tonight. I thought it fit perfectly. And I'm not ashamed to say when I use someone else's outline. And I think it's a good thing to say who it is. And uh, you say, well, who is it? It's none of your business who the exact person is. You would think he was a heathen. No, I'm just kidding. But um, in all honesty, I don't remember who I got it from. I could tell you later on if you really want to know, and that will be fine. But the main point, I've kind of given you a main point as we've gone through these passages through the book of James. But the main point for tonight is this. When you've been wronged, Wait on the Lord's return and do what's right. That's the theme tonight in these verses as we look at. I want to give you a simple outline of exhortations, examples, and examinations. That's what we're going to look at tonight. First of all, we see in this passage, we see exhortations, and that is what to do. What are we to do? Well, number one, we see under exhortations, we see we need to be patient with people. Be patient with people. Verse 7, the beginning there, it says, 
Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The word patient comes from two words meaning long-tempered. It has the idea of not having a short fuse. I think we understand what it's talking about here. It's a restraint. Be patient. It says, be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And we looked at those verses. Remember, we looked at last week how the rich and how their, their riches corrupt and that you got to do right with your... And remember how we read up in here in verse number four how they hired laborers and they didn't pay their laborers like they were supposed to. So this is God's response on how to live in this world with injustices that come our way. And it all begins, first of all, by being patient with people. And you see the phrase there, it says, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord speaks of his any time arrival. We must live every day with the realization that Jesus could come back at any moment because he's coming soon. I must be patient with people because he could be here any minute. And I need to do what's right. That's what this passage is all about tonight. You drop down to verse number eight, and look, James says it again. Be ye also patient. You see that same thought there. We need to be patient. Someone defined patience as self-restraint, which does not hastily retaliate a wrong. That was a counter-cultural thing then, and it's the same thing today. For the Greeks and the Romans back in these days, it was a virtue to retaliate when you were wronged. That's what was expected of you. You were tough and you were the better person by getting even with someone. That's so against how the Bible rolls and how the Bible sets it out. But that's how it was. And you got to think about this. James is urging the people of God, the Christians, to refuse to take revenge even when we're able to. Now, something you got to also put in mind about this book. The book of James was written to the 12 tribes that were scattered abroad. They were persecuted and the church was spread out. James is telling them, you got to be patient with people. Yeah, you might not love your situation where you're at. You might have been wrong. People might treat you wrong. But be patient with people. Are you patient with people that God has put in your life? Ryan, how do you handle those school kids that God's given to you? Caroline, how do you handle those school kids that God's given you? How do I handle the church members God's given me? How do you handle the family in your life? How do you handle the grocery store clerk? How do you handle the telephone operator for Amazon that you called? I don't know. But that's what this is about right here. Are you patient with the people that God's put in your life? And look at, think about what the Bible says, Psalm 37, 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. We see as we go, what are we supposed to do till the Lord comes? Number one, be patient with people. Number two, persevere through problems. 
Look at verse number 8. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You look at that, and we talk about persevering through problems. It's establish your hearts. That word, esta- that word establish is the idea of being stable and standing fast and was also used of being equipped. That word established there, it's the same word that was used for Jesus in Luke 9, 51, where it says he he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. So it's the same word that was used there. This person is so certain of the Lord's imminent return that he or she is not wiped out by what happens moment by moment in life. The phrase there we see, draweth nigh, shows that the Lord is coming slowly. He's getting close. Now, some of you in the room are in your 70s, and maybe even and some 80-year-olds in the room too. Don't laugh, Margie. We all know we're talking about you back there. But I know when you were 20 and 30 years old, a lot of you heard preaching, the Lord's coming soon! You're getting to getting up in years, and you're like, when's he coming? They were saying in Jesus' day, the end was getting close. But the thing you got to remember, in eternity, it's just that. One day, is as a, one day in heaven is like a thousand years here on earth, right? The Lord is coming. The day is coming. And because he's coming, first of all, tonight, we need to be patient with people. Because the Lord's coming. And then we need to keep moving through life even as the problems come because the Lord's coming. That's what we see right here. When you've been wronged, wait on the Lord's return and do what's right. Said First of all, we start with the exhortation, what to do till the Lord's return. Number two, and I don't know how it is in your notes there, but examples. How do we do it? How do we do what was asked of us already in the Scripture? What was asked of us? Be patient with people and persevere through problems. So how do we do it? Look at verse number 7. It says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. You see, we're not only told what to do by being patient with people and persevering through our problems, but we're given examples on how to do it. Example number one, keep waiting like a farmer does. That's what it says right there in verse number seven. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receiveth the early and latter rain. Anybody in the room grow up on a farm? Anybody have experience with growing crops? And so I just think about, I didn't, I grew up here in California. I didn't grow any crops or anything like that. I got to mow the weeds of my parents' half acre through my years. And my mom was a rosebush fanatic, so that was my, as far as it went. But the Midwest and things, and uh, Minnesota, and you think about corn and beans and all sorts of things. 
and uh, your dad's garden that he would plant every year and things. You plant the seeds or whatever you do, and it takes forever. You'll notice you see it around here. You drive down Euclid, and you'll see that um, right now all the corn stalks are super high. They're going to cut them down before long, and then you'll notice um, early spring they will do some work to the ground. They plant it, and then you'll see it just takes a long time, and eventually the corn comes back. It takes a long time to grow. And farmers, they plant their seeds in the fall and wait for the early rains, and they would wait till the latter rains come in the spring, and their stuff would grow. God tells us that we need to be patient and keep waiting just like a farmer would. That's the example right here before us. The word waiteth here means to look for and expect. We need to be waiting on God. Doesn't the Bible tell us those things? The Bible tells us in Galatians 6, verse number 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The Bible tells us in Psalm 27, 14, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We see, what are we supposed to do till the Lord comes in light of his coming? Be patient with people and persevere through our problems. What are some examples of that? The first examples of a farmer. How they plant, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait. And then number two, keep witnessing like the prophets. Look at verse number 10. There's something good here if you pay attention. First, there's always something good in the Bible, right? Look at verse number 10. It says, Take my brother and the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. So we see right there when we feel like giving up or giving in, we need to look to the prophets in the Bible who patiently endured and didn't stop but kept going towards the prize in the name of Jesus. You see that there? The Bible tells us in Matthew 5, 12, Jesus said, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecute they the prophets which are before you. The issue is not the same, is not that the people in the Old Testament were so great that we should be like them. The example is that if God could work in their lives, God can work in our lives. If God could help a mess of a man like Moses or Abraham, and they were messes. I'm a bigger mess, but they were a mess too. If God could help them and they got through, God can help me. You know, if Job can make it through all of his trials, I can make it through my trials. God helped him, God can help me. That's what we see here. And we would do well to spend more time in the Old Testament looking at the Old Testament prophets. The Bible tells us in Romans 15, 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Look at the rest of the verse that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Wow, it's amazing how Paul and James, they all talk about the same things. There must have been an ultimate writer of the Bible, right? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. 
we can learn from the mistakes of God's people and also model our lives after those who've suffered with patience. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 11, now all these, now all these things happen to them for examples, that they are written for our admonish, for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 6, verse number 12, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherited the promises. See how the writer of Hebrews there urges us to be like the prophets. Hebrews 11, the entire chapter, is the hall of faith chapter, and it lists individuals who trusted in the promises of God while demonstrating patience in the midst of persecution. You can see the end of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 36 through 39, or 38. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment, They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in the mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. We look at those verses and we think about all these things. I think about Jeremiah. I taught the kids the other day, he's the weeping prophet. I taught Caroline's class at school. I do chapel for them. And I asked them what they knew about Jeremiah. That was quite interesting as they went through. Oh, he's in the Bible. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Good job, kid. I think that was my own son. That makes sense, right? But that's as far as they got. They didn't know much about Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he preached faithfully for decades only to get a negative response from the people. How would that be to have it always that way? He was chased down. He was beaten, put in stocks, thrown in pits. He went through all these things. He spoke out against false prophets who told people what they wanted to hear, never losing sight that they needed what God wanted them to hear. And yet he wrote these words in Jeremiah 20, verse number 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. This is when he's in the pit. He's like, I'm done. But look what Jeremiah, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. He's like, I gotta keep doing it. That's an example for us today. That's why it's there. Yeah, we see here in this passage, we need to be patient with people and we need to persevere through all the problems of life. How do we do it? You wait like a farmer, and then you look at the examples of all the saints and what they went through. And man, if Jeremiah didn't give up, if anybody could have given up, Jeremiah could have given up. And he had the right to give up in my eyes. He didn't have a right. But in my eyes, I, I would have justified it. You know what, dude? You're in, a, you're in that pit, in that slime pit. You've gone through all these things. I get it. He's like, it's burning in him. Man, what, how powerful that is. And many of us have, mista- have this mistaken idea that if we follow Jesus, we're never going to have any problems in life, and that's so wrong. But you see, we got to keep waiting like farmers. We got to witness like prophets. And then number three here, we got to keep worshiping like Job. 
We've got to keep worshiping like Job. Look at verse number 11 of our text. It says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. To be patient here refers to abiding under difficult circumstances. It's very, very interesting that the only book of the New Testament that goes into detail about Job like this is James. No other New Testament book does, but James does here. There are three, you think about this and you think about James and you think about you heard of the patience of James, I mean of Job, sorry. There are three passages that come to mind in the book of Job that we think about Job. Job 1, verse 20 and 21. Then Job arose after he'd lost everything and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell upon the ground and worshiped and said, naked came out of my mother's womb Naked shall I return thither, the Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. And then Job 19, 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Look at what it says. Go back to our verse, verse number 11. It says, And I have seen the end of the Lord. God had a purpose in mind the whole time for Job. Just as he does when you and I go through hard times here on earth. He does. Let's keep going forward and let's keep worshiping him like Job did. You see, when you've been wronged, wait on the Lord and do what's right. Why? Because he's coming. Be patient with people. Persevere through your problems. Follow the examples of a farmer waiting on his crops to grow. Follow the example of the prophets as they persevered through their struggles. Follow the example of Job and keep worshiping God in the midst because God's got a plan in all that's going on. You still with me tonight? Haven't lost you yet? We're still good? All right. And then we see, thirdly, the examination what not to do. What do we not do during this time? Well, we heard what to do, right? Be patient with people and persevere through problems. That's what James, the command from God to do here is. We see examples of how to do it. The farmer, the prophets, and Job. Now I want to show you what we're not supposed to do till the Lord comes. When, you think about this, when we go through times of trouble, we must examine our relationships with others and our relationship with God. And what are some things that we shouldn't do? Number one, don't battle against others. Don't battle against others. We're given a warning in verse number nine. Drudge not one against another, Brethren, lest ye be condemned, because the judge standeth before the door. Drudge means murmur or groan. The tense indicates that we're practicing grumbling, griping, complaining, 
Oh, those people you put in my life, God. Oh, or you got to understand something. They have forgotten the fact that they're brothers and sisters, or maybe that's why they've turned on one another. That could be it too. But the Bible tells us in Leviticus 18 or 19.18, it says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any um, grudge against the children of thy people. For thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Instead of blasting others and taking out your complaints about what's going on in your life on others, what are we supposed to do? The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, verse number 2, at the end of that verse, it says it's called us to forbearing one another in love. When things are not going well in our lives, when we're oppressed, being persecuted, or just having a stressful week, it is very easy for us to take it out on those closest to us. And it, it happens. My parents aren't probably watching this right. They better not be watching right now. I'd see them doing that. But my mom, there are certain days she has bad days. She sometimes, and not, and not often, but every once in a while, she takes out her frustration on my dad. He's closest to her, and that's just how it, they've been married 58 years. They do everything together, and he just patiently goes with it. And then it's over with and done. But it's something that happens. And you got to understand this, and this saying is very true. Hurt people hurt people. Okay, do you get that? Hurt people hurt people. If you don't get that, I'll, you can, I'll repeat it later for you again. We got to stop being that way. Nothing destroys Christian unity quicker than believers grumbling against one another. Our internal bickering and backbiting and grumbling and groaning knocks us off the mission that God has for his church. Warren Worsby says this, if we start using the sickle on each other, we will miss the harvest. And that's pretty true. And it's incredible when you read through the Old Testament how many times God's people grumbled, murmured, complained when they were in the wilderness. You think about it. And after they passed through the Red Sea and God does a great miracle. If you could, I can't even imagine seeing them walking on dry ground in the midst of the Red Sea. This is an amazing thing that God did. But after they got over on the other side, and this, and this is what the Bible says, after they crossed over on the Red Sea, Exodus 15, verse number 1, the Bible says, I will sing to the Lord, for he had triumphed gloriously. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, and I believe that's, oh, there, I will sing unto the Lord, for he had triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. And people are like, man, look at what God did. He did that. He did so good. But then they got thirsty. And all there was was bitter water. Bitter water? You can't do better than that, God? You just brought us out here to make us suffer. You just wanted to kill us out here. There weren't enough graves in Egypt, so you just bring us out to the wilderness. There's plenty of graves for all of us out here. We're thirsty. Could you get us some water? They were just saying. 
about how good he had been to them and all that he had done. In that same chapter, you go down to verse 22 of the same chapter in Numbers. And we read that they were in the wilderness of Shur. Shur means a wall, and that's exactly how they felt. They wanted water. They had been walking. And the place where they were was called Mara. Bitter. It was bitter water. After receiving water, the Bible tells in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And we look down at later on in that same chapter, and God tells them, this is what God thinks of the murmuring that was taking place in Numbers 14, 27. How long shall I bear this, with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. And God, in Numbers 17, 5, he says, basically, he says he will rid himself of the constant murmuring and the complaining that takes place. Israel's stumbling led to grumbling, which resulted in God's judgment. Over 14,000 of God's, the children of Israel died because of their complaining before God. Something that's very interesting, you look at, you go back to our text and look at the end of verse number 9. It says, Behold, the judge standeth before the door. James gets their attention. The word behold there means, hey, listen up. And he says, the judge, Jesus, not a judge, the judge. His words exclude anyone else than the phrase standing at the door means he is in the act of entering. What is James referring to? He's referring to the Lord as the judge of all. And why we don't need to complain, murmur, hold a grudge, all those types of things, because the judge sees it all and the judge will take care of it all. James 5.20, I mean Galatians 5.26 tells us, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And then Galatians 5.15 is even more graphic and says, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. You see, what, do we, what can we do? And as we look at these verses here, and in, in that verse there, it tells us grudge not one against another. Let me give you a few couple, a couple helpful hints in that area. The first one's this. When we have problems in our life, we're going through a hard time, first thing, don't constantly focus on the situation. Because when you do, you're just going to become angry. Don't constantly focus on the situation. Number two, don't focus on yourself. We all, it's easy for us to focus on self. We're all built that way. Self, we like to protect self. But don't focus on self or you're going to be filled with self-pity. And then another thing, don't focus on someone to blame because you're going to always be complaining when you do that. 
And then the lastly on this thought here, don't focus on the present because you're missing that God's got a point to what's going on. And you might not understand it today, but he will help you in the future with those things. So we've seen tonight, review, until the Lord comes, what are we supposed to do? Be patient with people and persevere through our problems. God gave us examples of a farmer waiting on his crops, of the uh, prophets and their example, as well as Job and how he kept worshiping God. Now, what do we not do till he comes? Well, the first one, as we just read here, is one we go, don't battle against others. They're not where the battle comes. Number two, number two, don't bail on God. When it's hard to count on people, and when our problems escalate upon us, we can always count on the character of God. Look at the end of verse number 11 of our text. And have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. God is accomplishing his purposes even when we're struggling with people and swimming in the midst of all of our problems. Don't bail on God. It's amazing to me how many people go through the fire, and the first thing they do is they bail on God. God's where they stop. It's interesting to me, in my 10 years of pastoring, there have been several people, and I'll have friends at, in the church, and I've got, I'd say everyone's my friend in the church, but you really, you know, when people quit talking to you, and it's so funny, there's one person, they were really struggling for a while, and they got away from God having struggles. I would call and be like, hey, I want to be here, help you. I'm your friend. Yeah, but you're my pastor. What's that supposed to mean, I'm your pastor? Yeah, I'm your pastor. Yeah, but I, when I think of you, I think of God, and I'm not happy with God right now. And a lot of people, when they go through it, the first they bail out on God. But we've got to understand, God is what we need in the midst of the things that we go through. The word pitiful literally means abounding in bowels of compassion. The Lord is very compassionate, extremely compassionate. God is full of compassion, and he moves his people to acts of compassion as well. We look at this passage of Scripture, we read a lot. We go through all of it. And we see two exhortations. And God tells us through James what to do. Be patient with people and persevere through our problems. He gives us examples of how to do it. Keep waiting like a farmer. Keep witnessing like the prophets and keep worshiping like Job. And then he tells us what not to do. Hey, don't battle with others and don't bail on God. Years ago, Ruth Bell Graham, the wife of uh, Billy Graham, saw a sign by the road and it said, end of construction, thank you for your patience. She smiled and she remarked that she wanted those words on her gravestone. And after her death in 2007, her desire was carried out. Her gravestone marker bears the Chinese character for righteousness, because she was born in China, and it's followed by those words. And may I just remind you, 
tonight, we're all under construction. We're not a finished product. Be patient with me because God's not finished with me yet. And we need to be patient with one another. What do we need to do till the Lord comes? Be patient with people. And I've heard people, but I don't like people. <laughs> you got to learn to be patient with people. Because that's what life is. Life is relationships. You could just be a hermit and live in the middle of the woods. COVID and social distancing wouldn't bother you at all. One of the reasons why social distancing and all this stuff bothers people is because people were made to socialize. We were made for relationships. That's the way we were designed. Say, well, I wasn't designed that way. Then there's something wrong. No, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm teasing when I say that. But till God returns, what do we need to do, church? Be patient with people and keep persevering through our problems. That's what we need to do. What we don't need to be doing is we don't need to be getting mad at one another and we don't need to bail out on God. The Lord's coming. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and it may be soon. Isn't that what the song they sang this morning? Yeah, because he's coming again. He could come tonight. He could come tomorrow. Have your eyes open. Watch. Keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes on him and live in light of his coming because he's coming. And yes, it might seem like who knows when he's going to come, but he's coming. And he's going to come right when you least expect it. I heard of a young man that was going to be, you know, he was dating and he wanted God to wait till come till he got married. And he told me, he's like, I want to get married before God comes. I said, okay, he's like, so this is what I do every day. I say the Lord's coming today. And the Lord won't come because the, I don't, I'm not supposed to know the day or hour. I'm like, oh, stop it, stop it, stop it. But church, in reality, he is coming. It's very close. He's at the door, just waiting. How do we need to live? We need to be patient with people. I could preach on that till Jesus comes. There is no excuse in the church for the people of God not to get along, period. This shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye fight and bicker with one another. That is not Bible. It's our love for one another. Be patient with people, and when the problems come, not if, just keep on going. Keep on going. Don't give up. God's got a plan. God has a purpose over it all. And just wait on God as a farmer does for his crops. Follow the examples of the prophets. Worship like Job did. Quit complaining with everyone and don't bail out on God.